the sports stance. Hey everyone, and welcome to the Sports Dance. I'm your host, Greg, and we have a lot to cover this week. We got NBA All-Star Recap, we got Paul's Pylon, we got to talk about the big fight this weekend, and some changes that they're going to be making in the NFL. Possibly. So let's get into it, though. We're going to start with that NFL news because, do you remember it back in 2011 when the NFL basically was on strike? You had no clue if the season was going to happen. The CBA agreement, the bargaining between the players and the owners and the league looked like there was no end in sight. Didn't look like it was going to be a good time. Possibly facing what happened with the MLB with their strike, the NHL, wasn't a good look. Well, that apparently might just be a thing of the past with this new collective bargaining agreement because they might get it signed in the next few hours. But I'm going to talk about what the most interesting standpoints of this agreement would be. And that is an extended season, bigger playoffs, and more money. Because obviously, if you're playing more games, you expect to get more money. Both the owners and the players. So first, let's talk about that 17-game season. It's an interesting concept. Something that, you know, owners especially have been thinking about for the past few years. Players... Some like it, some don't. The interesting thing about this whole agreement is to extend the playoffs and everything else. You know the owners are going to probably vote majority of 32, or if not all, 32 out of 32 will say yes. Then you need the player refs to get a two-third of the representatives. Then you need the entire league to vote of players. And then they only need 51% or 50.5%. I forget if they need the full 1% over or not. So the most interesting thing about this to me is the fact that half the league basically could be against this, and it will not matter. But the 17-game season, is it a good idea? Here's the thought. You would cut down on preseason games because, honestly, none of us like preseason games. The only guys that do are the guys that are really honestly trying to be number 50, 51, 52 on the roster. Or get a practice squad spot. I mean, I'm definitely, I'm sure there's some guys that just know they're just not good enough to make the NFL, but they'll take practice squad money. It's pretty good money. And you kind of feel like you're contributing and part of the NFL. I mean, you are technically, but not to the place you want to be. But anyway, so you'd cut down on preseason. Veterans would like that. Guys that, especially quarterbacks, especially would like that. So you add an extra game which essentially means one of the first two games of the season is your preseason games. You get all the kinks out in game one, game two, and then you have 15 more games to do what you got to do to make the playoffs, which would also become easier now. But we'll touch on that in a second. Here's what I'm thinking, though, with this 17-game season. Why? Why do you need, Is it just so maybe the records are just different enough that getting into the playoffs, you don't need as many tiebreakers. I know it's the money grab. I know that part of it, but I'm trying to figure out if there's any other reason. There doesn't seem to be. But then you got to figure out the logistics. Does this mean the Jaguars are going to play three games in London? Because I hope not. I hope for their players' sake. That doesn't mean that. They already got two there now, and it's going to be back-to-back. 
I hope for their sake it's not a third week added on to there in the future. Because if it is, just, just move the team to London at that point. But so, besides the Jaguars issues, 17 games. You know what that amounts to? You either get nine home games or nine away games. How are you going to make that work? Honestly, how are you going to justify, say it's the AFC East. I'm in New England. That's where I'm going to go division-wise of example. The Patriots and the Bills are given two extra home games. The Jets and the Dolphins are given two extra away games, or an extra away game. So they have nine games away, eight games at home. So you're saying a team that dominates at home, like the Bills, like the Patriots, get technically an advantage on their season because they get one more game at home, they could push themselves to say they went 4-4 four and four on the road, both of them. Say everybody across the board went 4-4 four and four away up for the till the final week. And that final week, all the records are the same. Bills Patriots get that home game. Jets, Dolphins have to say, say they have to play it, one has to play at Foxborough, one has to play at Buffalo. Is that fair? No. Or do you do it as, okay, this year the AFC East and the AFC West get eight home games and the AFC North and the AFC South get nine home games. And then we swap the next year. It's hard because each year is its own individual thing, obviously. Genius, I know. What a concept, Greg. You might be the smartest person on radio. Thank you for that, first off. Very nice compliment. What I mean is, it's it's exactly what I said. Each year is an individual year. You don't go, hey, look at this team over a five-year stretch without having to look at what players came in, what players left, what injuries occurred. Because you could have a year where everything is going right, but you guys are just playing poorly on the road. And you miss the playoffs by a game because the other team that snuck in got the ninth home game and you didn't. So that can make all the difference. So you got to figure out that logistic of it because otherwise it's not really fair. Or do you just cause a whole new thing of craziness and you figure out one neutral site game for all the teams every single year? And then they all get eight home, eight away, and one neutral site game somehow between where the two teams are from? I don't know. I don't know how you would figure that out. So that's like the one issue I have with 17 games outside of the injury issue. Then you also have to think about, do we create a whole new record book? Because it's always been 16 games. I mean, obviously I know a while back it was less than 16 games and things have changed, but it has been 16 games for a consistent enough period that adding one extra game, you're adding a chance for... 300, 400 yard, more yard passing yards for records, more touchdowns, all these different things that kind of skew the record book. So how do you, how do you approach that? Do you have 16 game records and then at the 16th game, you have a new kind of whole record side where it's since the initiation of 17 games, these are the records for a season? Because that would essentially mean next year, if this starts, 
you would have an entire record book of guys setting records in a season. Like Lamar Jackson. Well, he's going to be the most rushing yards for a quarterback ever anyway. So that's a poor example. But uh, we'll go Marcus Mario. Wow. I've just picked the two worst quarterbacks. Carson Wentz. There you go. Why didn't I just go with him in general? I like the Eagles. Should have just gone with that. Carson Wentz has an MVP year. Throws 45 touchdowns. But since it's a 17-game season, he led the league with 45 touchdowns. Is that the most touchdowns now in a 17-game season? And then that stays until it's beaten? Like, how does it work? Those are just the little... There's just little minor things I think of. Clearly, they don't have an effect on the field. The 17 game itself has an effect on the field because that's an extra game that's being put on a player's body. We're all about safety. Do you start load managing way more than you used to? Do you have quarterbacks get less reps in games? Like, perfect example would be in New Orleans if they signed Taysom Hill. Drew Brees announced he's coming back. Do they then, here and there, let Taysom Hill play a quarter? Here and there, and even in close games, just so Drew Brees isn't getting an extra four quarters put on his body, four quarters of hits and throwing and all of that? Do they now have true three-headed monsters in the backfield for running backs like the 49ers did, where you're rotating three different guys, so there's really no lead guy each guy has their own individual set that they work with because you can't have a guy like Zeke Elliott taking hits for 17 straight games. And then if you don't get the one seed and get that buy in the first week, if you're going to the Super Bowl, that's 21 games. Yes, I get it. it's an, literally just an extra game. But in hindsight, based on the last system compared to this one, you'd be adding two extra games onto a guy's body if they don't get the bye week because obviously you have the 17th game to the regular season. And then if you're not a top two seed, you have to play wildcard weekend. So it's a two extra game span that you're adding onto players and their bodies. And guys are already retiring early. We've seen plenty of stars retire early because they just don't want to deal with the physical issues down the line that their bodies have taken from these years of hits. They want to try to preserve themselves as much as possible for their futures and it makes sense so you might see a lot more guys retiring younger because of this extra game so you wonder is the money worth it we know it is for the owners they're i mean just a bunch of greedy billionaires but is it worth it for the players that's going to be the answer to the question that we're looking for and we'll find out probably pretty shortly the other part of this obviously we'll quickly go over 14 team playoff so each league will get an extra playoff team, an extra wild card. Number one seed would get the bye for the first week. Then it would be three games for each conference in wild card weekend. So instead of four games, it's six games. That two seed becomes basically meaningless, which could have changed the Kansas City Chiefs outcome this year completely, for all we know. Just an interesting thing to think about. So... It's good because you get more teams involved. The playoffs hadn't changed since 1990. When there was 28 teams, 12 teams were making it, 12 out of 28. So now the move from 12 to 14 out of 32, I guess percentage-wise, it's kind of the same. 
It's just two more games on wildcard weekend. Again, more money, more profits, more revenue for the league and owners. And yes, again, it does help players, but at the same time, you're providing potentially more chance for injury risk. So there's pros and cons. I don't mind the playoff idea. I don't mind a team getting in, one extra team getting in. Like this year, it would have been Pittsburgh for the AFC and the Rams for the NFC. So it's not like it would have been two poor teams. It's just that fight for the two seed that was so exciting at the end of this year, both sides won't be there anymore. So like if you know who the clear number one seed is, if you're a two seed or a three seed and you know at the final game week or two it won't change, you might just rest your guys and chalk up those losses. The only difference it makes is if the one seed goes down in the next weekend. So instead of perfect example, this year in the NFC you had three teams go thirteen and three. One of them had to play wild card weekend, the Saints. They lost. You would have had two playing wild card weekend. And that just that doesn't seem right. But if that's what the NFL and the players all think is good, who am I to question it? It's a little more football. Everybody loves football. That's what makes this hard. We all love the game. But we have to think about what it means moving forward for players and the league itself and how this will affect players throughout the years, how it affects records, how you do the logistics of home and away. So I don't know if it'll get all figured out this weekend like they're hoping, but in the end, more than likely, money talks. Money's the king of everything in sports. So it'll probably get passed, so we'll probably have a 17-game season with 14 teams making the playoffs as soon as next year. So I guess you have that to look forward to. Now, before moving on to my baseball talk, I want to let you know that 12 on Sports is presented by Seat Giant. If you're looking for your best sport and concert ticket needs, check out Seat Giant for all of it. You're going to get your best deals when you go there. Use promo code 12 Sports. that's 1-2-O-Z-SPORTS, at Seat Giant. Again, for all your sporting and concert ticket needs, find the best tickets for you, your family, and your friends to go out and have a good time. That is Seat Giant with the promo code 12 Sports. All right, so now I want to get into what Rob Manfred said with baseball, the commissioner coming out on Sunday and saying that the World Series trophy, the commissioner's trophy, was just a piece of metal. Now, the whole context was he was talking about how people want to put an asterisk next to the Astros, take away the World Series trophy, all of that. And he's like, well, I'm not going to put an asterisk next to that. We're not going to take away a piece of metal. It doesn't mean anything. And essentially, people will know what happened in 2017, and then we'll make their own judgments and look at it their own way. Well, Rob, it's not just a piece of metal. I wrote an article about it, why I think about that. You can check it out on 12 on Sports, but if you don't have the time, I'm going to tell you right here. It's not a piece of metal. One, a lot of time and effort gets put into it. It's made by Tiffany's. It's gold plate flags. It's a silver ball in the middle. Like, it takes time and effort. So one, you're telling the people who make this, yeah, I don't think what you do is important, which that's cool. Hey, let's just tell people that have the time and ability to make such cool things for us that they don't matter is basically what you said there. And also you're telling players, 
You know the thing that you strive for at the beginning of every season? To make the playoffs and win and raise up and have a parade and everybody loves you and it all goes crazy because of this award and medal and trophy? Yeah, it's it's worthless in my eyes. As the commissioner of the league, it's worthless. It means nothing. It means a lot, Rob. Can I call you Rob? I'm going to call you Rob. It means a lot. Players put their blood, sweat, and tears into it literally every single season. It is every guy's one goal as a Major League Baseball player, as a Minor League Baseball, as a T-ball kid. Kids that play baseball from young to old, the dream's the World Series. You know how many times I was in my backyard with my brother playing baseball, like T-ball stuff, pretending I'm hitting the home run in the World Series to win it? It wasn't once. It was a lot. Because it didn't seem like a piece of metal to me. It seemed like the coolest thing in the whole world, and it was like a holy grail. So the comments, they're just idiotic. They make zero sense. When you said it, you should have backtracked immediately and claimed that that's not exactly what you meant. Because the World Series trophy is put on display. It is shown to fans, to an organization, as you accomplished the ultimate goal for this season. You won. And now knowing that Astro players had immunity and basically said, yeah, we cheated all season. We did it the whole time. And you're doing nothing about it. You fired the coach. You fired the GM. Whoop-de-doo. That has no effect on the Astros organization. The players who were there from when it happened, them being affected, them being suspended, even for just... 10 games, even for just some period of time, would send a message, at least, that you have some sense. Because now all you're doing is you're almost defending them. You're like, they cheated, there's nothing we can do about it, but if you try to retaliate in any sort of way, if you throw a pitch at them, you will be severely punished. AKA, I don't care how you feel about the Astros, the rest of the league, we're going to take care of them, they're our babies essentially. And it's ridiculous. It's a ridiculous thing to do to say and just shows that you are out of touch. Players think you're out of touch because of this comment and just how you've reacted to the Astro situation. And I have to agree. You seem out of touch. You don't seem to understand the significance. How? I don't know. You want to grow this game for the young crowd. You're not sending a good example. You're basically saying to the young kids, hey, if you figure out how to cheat and then we find out a few years later, nothing's going to happen to you. Don't worry. It's cool. It's not cool. By the way, side note, Giancarlo Stanton said if he knew what pitches were coming, he'd hit 80 home runs. I mean, like, yeah, probably. One, stay healthy. Two, hit an off-speed pitch. And three, you're going to sell yourself short and say 80. If you knew every time a fastball was coming down the pipe at you, you should hit at least 100 home runs. You're Giancarlo Stanton. You hit like 60 without knowing what was coming. An extra 20 is only what you think you could do? Come on. Shoot for the stars if you're going to make a statement like that. Anyway, back to the topic. So, yeah, it's not just a piece of metal. It's not. You need to understand that. Maybe go to Cooperstown, understand the history of the game. I don't know what you need to do. But it was just an idiotic comment to make in a really poor time right now. 
It's another swing and a miss by the commissioner and the MLB in general. Somebody needs to talk to him. I don't know who, but get it through his head that people are upset with what the situation is. We're all tired of talking about it, but it's just going to be a storyline until one, the season starts, and maybe something else captures our attention, or two, you now switch gears and do something about it. But until then, guys are going to get plunked. Guys aren't going to care about the suspension. If you're willing to toss a pitcher for five games, ten games, depending if it's a starting pitcher, if you give him ten games, that's two starts, or a reliever gets like five games, prepared for the Astros to get plunked a lot. I think the over-under in Vegas is 84.5. Take the over. Because guys aren't going to care. They're going to want their revenge in some sort of way, and they're going to get it. It's either going to be that or they're going to be brawls. One or the other. Either way, it should be a fun MLB season. That's all I can say about that. But yeah, no, literally, that's all I'm going to say about that. That's MLB talk for this week. We'll get into spring training a little more once it kind of kicks up in the next few weeks. But for now, we're going to move on to Paul's Pylon. We have some fun NBA stuff. We're going to talk about maybe how to improve some All-Star games after the NBA won this past weekend. And you know, we have to give our XFL report to Paul. So here it is, Paul's Pylon. Paul's Pylon. That's right, it is Paul's Pylon. The man is with me himself. And one thing I can tell you about Paul, he's not just a piece of metal. He's shiny, he's beautiful, he's gorgeous. And he costs way more than $19,000 to make, I can tell you that. Paul, how you doing? Doing great, Greg, and uh, glad you brought it up. $19,000 for a piece of metal, which represents something a man plays his entire career to win. I think he got it all wrong. Bad call on his part. He deserves a smack. The Commissioner's Trophy, a.k.a. the World Series Trophy, might want to consider a name change because when your namesake says you're just a piece of metal, it's kind of bad. It kind of shows that you're a little out of touch with the game. Like I said before our segment, Rob Manfred just... Out of touch with baseball right now, clearly has not made any right moves this offseason in dealing with anything. And he's just kind of keeping, he's like a husband in a fight with his wife who says one thing and he's like, no, I didn't mean it that way. And then tries to explain it and then digs a deeper hole and a deeper hole and a deeper hole. So who fires him? The coaches? The uh, owners? The owners, rather? The owners' meetings? The owners could, but they're not going to. He's. Done. He's done well as commissioner for baseball with revenue and things like that, and trying to help the game grow. He has stepped in at this time, though. Yes, he will. Sometimes less is need best. to remove his foot somehow. Yeah, or his head. But, I think he's that cartoon <laughs> of the neck ending at the cheeks, if you know what I mean. I think I do. But I've talked about it enough. We just gave our little tidbit about what we think about it. Let's get into the important things of the week, Paul. Your XFL team. Now, last I week, am on fire. You are. Last week, we took the test. We found out you're a Houston Roughnecks fan. Who knew? I had my money on the D.C. Defenders, and you just you surprised everybody with your pick. And by your pick, I mean my quizzes pick for you. And guess what? I watched a portion of the game. I know. And did you enjoy it? Did you find it interesting, at least? I did change the channel. Well, that's okay. I was surfing. I went back and forth, but when... The reporter was gleefully running up the field 
talking to the dude that intercepted the pass. The best part, you mean, when the reporters have to get to question things when they actually happen? Oh, the sincerity was nauseating, and it just wasn't... Just think think about it this way. Just imagine... Move the game to cable. But still, just imagine it's the Super Bowl. It's Patriots-Seahawks, the infamous play of the interception in the end zone. Russell Wilson and Marshawn Lynch are running off the field, completely crushed by what just happened. And you have, like, I don't even know who is the sideline reporter that I don't know who, what network it was for. But it's like, we'll say Michael Strahan, for some reason, was the sideline reporter. And he's running after them going, Russell, what happened on that interception? Marshawn, how do you feel about not getting handed the ball? Like, just imagine the live reaction we could have gotten if I that was allowed. Like the XFL. I think they'd knock his teeth down his throat. But So think about it. It's a live reaction. I think move this thing to cable, mic everybody, and you oh, everybody would have, is mic'd essentially. You would sell out the beep guys there, the finger button guys that are beeping everything. You wouldn't need them, and it would be awesome. Yeah, <laughs> but it's what also kind of makes it funny because you're like, oh, he definitely does curse, and they had finally put on a delay because the first week they did not think about that well enough, or the beep guy was not paying attention. Seven seconds. You got through. A few got through, and it was fantastic. Yeah. But so, updating you on your team, you know you're on fire. Your team is on fire. They are 2-0. Two two yep. How many games are we playing? Six? Eight? Uh, I think it's eight games. Yeah. I think it's essentially like a... Sh- I think this season's just one week shorter than The Bachelor, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, and more commitments and heartache are going to occur in The Bachelor still somehow than in the XFL. I think there might be more broken bones in The Bachelor. I mean, jeez, I'm surprised they don't kill each other. Oh, boy, it gets nasty. It gets old, too. Gets old. It does. I I can't. I don't watch the show, and there's a reason because I would. I I see the previews, and I go, that's enough. I don't need to. I don't need to even watch. It's just, it it makes my stomach churn because I'm just like, this is horrible. And also, in the real world, imagine a guy said, listen, I really like you. Will you stick around while I date these other 30 women? And, and make out with every one of them weeks, in the hot tub. <laughs> I'll let you know. Might, you know, have a one night stand. And if you're the best one out of all of them, I'll take you home to see my folks and I can go to your hometown. But I'm going to go also with these uh, other women. And then we'll just see we'll just see where it goes. And then we'll get married. About isn't it, isn't it kind of isn't it kind of every single thing a father teaches his daughter not to do? Yes. And it's every single thing women and men alike would never want a significant other to have happen. So take note. Bring your kids upright. I'll try. You're doing a good job. Oh, thank you. But anyway, back to the XFL. We got sidetracked with Bachelor Talk, which I don't even watch, so I don't even know how I got involved in that. Houston Roughnecks moved to 2-0, like I said. They are the number one team in the power rankings this week, ahead of the D.C. Defenders. You had P.J. Walker, your quarterback. You know, I don't know if you saw He made a sidearm throw that was gorgeous. Under defender's arm, right into the guy's arms in the end zone, Cam Phillips, who they connected for three touchdowns in the game. It's pretty good. And then there was a late quarter interception, sealed the game 28-24 over the St. Louis Battlehawks, who pretty good too. So, you know, it was a battle of the early season Titans in the XFL. So were these guys playing their hearts out just to make this thing successful and make a career out of it? Part of it, I think... I forget what it is. I think they get are getting paid fifty thousand dollars, like 
at least like the average player gets 50,000. I think the quarterbacks are getting a little more because the majority of them are the name that people might recognize the most. Is it but, for the season? Yes. Or per game? No, I think it's for the season. Okay. Especially because it's a startup league. You don't have that much overhead that you can really give out to players yet. Sure. Their hope is that as it potentially grows bigger, if they can get it to be something decent that people do enjoy and year after year come back for, if you can get guys making a few hundred thousand, you're going to get a decent amount of players. You're going to get that second tier of guys who get cut from the practice squad in the NFL that can come here and play and develop and maybe get that chance the following year to get to the practice squad or the NFL. So you're not going to have ever terrible talent. It's the second tier talent, which isn't the worst thing to have after the NFL season's over. Cause if you still love football and you're waiting for college, it's a good little segue, get you at least close to the summer. And then you just have like two months until training camp. I think it's doable. Um, first year, right? Yeah, so far my, so good. My no. team's winning. Tom Brady could play for them. He uh, could. Uh, there were there are, have been jokes that Vincent Command might just make Tom Brady an offer that he literally can't it's like here's eighty million dollars, play one year for us. Why not? Right? It's better yeah. than putting on tights and jumping off the ropes. I mean, when you think he would love to go for three point conversion attempts, they just had their first one this past week in the LA Wildcats. How do you get it? How do you get the three points? So it's at one point, I think it's from the five yard line, two points you attempt from the 10 yard line. And then I think three is from 15 or 20. And then it's, you just run an offensive play instead of kicking. Pretty cool. So I think that the kicker is basically used for field goals and kickoffs, which they don't even have to really worry about unless the guy goes for a kickoff return, like touchdown. I like those little things that make the game a little bit more interesting, and the NFL ought to keep their eye on it. Uh, thing I, I think the thing I like the most so far about the XFL is the offensive, like the head coach or the offensive coordinator, you get to hear them talking to the quarterback the whole time the play clock's going, and it's also only a 25-second play clock instead of 40 seconds, so the game moves faster. So um, are we hearing that at home? Yes. Is it the whole team has it in the helmet? So what it is is... The quarterback has the offensive coordinator in their head. He gives him the main play. Then the wide receiver coach, running back coach, also have stuff in those positions players' ears. And he tells them their specific parts of the play. And then so the quarterback is only responsible for telling the offensive line what they need to do because every other position has their own skill position coach in their head, in their ear, telling them, all right, it's the this route you're going to be running, essentially. So that's a very well-coordinated, uh, behind-the-scenes type of yeah. uh headset. Like they said, they can do the 25-second clock because the wide receivers and running backs basically don't have to go into a huddle. And therefore, they can just stay where they're supposed to and get set up and ready for the next play. That's pretty cool. I did notice that, and you can hear it over the TV, clearly. Yes. Clearly, the... Competition can't, but I suppose if it was the Houston Astros, they'd figure out a, a way to gar- oh, oh, oh. bang on a garbage can and figure yeah. it out. Did, by the way, real quick, to side subject, did you see the video of the guy who was at the Astros batting practice in the crowd hitting a trash can behind them? No. He just sat classic. there for like uh, like a few minutes and just literally just kept hitting a trash can and waiting. Until security knocked him out. And yeah, I'm, him sure, out. I'm pretty sure security probably dragged him out. But all right, roughnecks. 
I forget who their next game is against, but how you feel? How you feeling about your squad, Paul? I'm liking it. I think I think maybe we go undefeated. Ooh, one thing Patriots couldn't do. I, I said that a, I I, I, I was, jab in some way. I was lamenting. I was lamenting throughout the season, and you said, "Oh yeah, 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 tough, tough being what were they, twelve and four? Yeah. Well, I got to get my jabs in. You always bring up the Eagles losing to them somehow. I don't know how, but you do. But so, well, that 39? is, yeah. I don't know. Okay. I'm gonna get a jersey with 39 on it. Yeah. Just every time not, you see me, I'll be wearing it. That'd, that'd be really sad. <laughs> I'll get you a hat with the number 39. Right, grandkids, <laughs> weddings, and everything. Yeah. Where's your grandfather? He's over there in the 39 hat. Football jersey. <laughs> we made him sit in the back row. <laughs> he really, he really dressed up. <laughs> right, Grandpa. What? 39. That's all he Where says now. I? You don't. I don't even think he knows he's alive. <laughs> So funny story. I'm in a meeting today and I get up and actually walked out of the room because I'm, I'm pre-meeting and I'm getting all my notes together and I've got a lot of people from different organizations and I walk out of the room and I start talking to somebody I know and said, do I look okay? He says, yeah, why? I said, I smell burnt toast and I want to make sure I, I, I'm making sure I'm not having a stroke. So he looks at me. He says, oh, yeah, we have a kitchen on the floor now, and somebody just burnt toast. I said, okay. You're just, like, my name is Paul. My name is Paul. My name is Paul. I, I, I truly, I, I said, do you guys I, smell burnt toast? Good thing you checked, at least. Well, I'm glad I'm glad you're here and talking with us and, and weren't having a stroke. I wasn't. Speaking of having a stroke, oh, really fun segue. <laughs> the NBA All-Star Game. Almost gave me one because of how competitive and actually entertaining it was. They made some changes this year, which really brought a lot more effort by the players to the game. So I don't know if you saw the exact rules and what they were. So this year they changed it up where the first three quarters were three individualized games. So the score, their overall score kept tallying up, but each quarter was treated as its own game. So technically it started at 0-0. So the winner of each quarter got $100,000 donated to the team's charity of choice, which was, since the All-Star game was in Chicago, they both chose Chicago-based charities. So then they had the kids there. The kids for Team LeBron had Team LeBron shirts on. The other team had Team Gianna shirts on. But it made it a lot more entertaining because the first three quarters, $100,000. Everybody was getting excited. And then the fourth quarter... It was $300,000 were up for grabs. And to honor Kobe Bryant, they had a set score that the teams had to get to. And they added 24 points onto that to honor Kobe, which is a nice little tribute. But what made it interesting was the fourth quarter had zero commercial breaks. Uh, it was continuous basketball the entire time. So there was no breaks at all. And towards the end, they were calling timeouts and actually strategizing how to win because Neither team wanted to lose this money for their charities. And guys were playing hard defense, which, if you've ever watched an NBA All-Star game, is not usually what's happening. But guys were checking each other, swatting each other, yelling at the refs if they got a foul called on them. It was fun. So so I'm liking that because normally an All-Star game, not so hot, right? No. They got to they gotta bring some of that excitement to the other games, and I'm glad that's how they did it because I think – you know, two local charities. I'm sure the TV coverage was incredible. I'm sure they had oh, yeah. a lot of local yeah. stuff as well the as kids national. Were having a blast 
uh, it was very entertaining because you knew how intense it was when both teams made the final lineup changes halfway through the fourth quarter and didn't make a change ever since. Like they both were like, these are who we want on the court and we're going with it. And that's it. Nobody else is getting into this game. And guys were dripping sweat, heavy breathing, didn't so, know what to do. So no commercial breaks. No commercial breaks. The and, only timeouts there were were fouls and timeouts actually caught by the teams, but they didn't even break from to commercial during those. We may have talked about the hardest sport that's hardest on the body, and, and physically, the NBA has got to be the yeah. number one. And then to have no commercial timeouts has got to be grueling on those guys. Yeah, it was... I was impressed, one, by the fact that they were all playing with the intensity they were, and two, that they did not sub anybody in. They both came up with their ultimate lineup of the guys that they had and were like, this is what we're going with. Doesn't matter how tired we are. So funny. Winning. It was a two-point game in the final. The the set score was 157. Team LeBron was down, I think it was 13 points entering the fourth quarter. Stormed back from that and won it on a free throw. To win the game, 157-155. Crazy. That's great. I think that's – it's. And then the kids got to come in onto the court and celebrate. And I think people like watching that, and it's a feel-good story. Because yep. I think, you know, maybe maybe they can pass that along. But a funny thing about NBA. I was going to say, um, NBA did it right. You said you said ultimate, and I think about the um, one of the ultimate comfort foods for players in the NBA. Is this a fun little tidbit? This would be the pylon tidbit of the week. Ooh. We're back. Should we have like a, I feel like we should have like a megaphone that's like, pylon tidbit of the week. Week. Tidbit week. of week. the week. 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 So, it started in the 2000-2008, 2007-2008 season with Kevin Garnett. And I'll give you a little bit each time and you can jump in any time when you think that you know what the comfort food is. I was going to say, anything's possible. I don't know. That's all I know about Kevin Garnett at this point. So Kevin Garnett requests just before the game a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Yeah, I don't think I know where this is going. (laughs) Not just any peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Peanut butter and strawberry jelly sandwich. Had one of the best games of his career. It started a tradition. Okay. Fast forward a couple of weeks. The conditioning, strength and conditioning coach for the Celtics is making peanut butter and jelly sandwiches in the locker room before the game. And he's marking them strawberry, grape, raspberry, and they're eating them up. And it started the tradition. It goes beyond Kevin Garnett and the Celtics. <laughs> okay. It, 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 it's... So Are do you I tell have, me Uncrustables is now a sponsor of NBA yeah, teams? They should be. They should be. They should if they're be. listening to this show, they're going to be. Hey, Smuckers, so, talk to us. So Dwight Howard, known for his junk food, eats the equivalent of 20 candy bars a day and sugar. Catches on with a peanut butter and jelly and starts eating the peanut butter and jelly. Ends up in the hospital with, with a blood sugar issue. So oh. his conditioning coach... Gets him to stop the candy bars. Can't get him to stop the peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. However, he moved on to organic peanut butter and sugar-free jelly. Oh, of course. You're right. <laughs> but he's still eating 20 of them game day. So oh, Jesus. How how do you eat that much? You know, if as I'm as I'm looking at this, don't you love a good PB and J? 
I do, but I don't think I love it as much as you do. I mean, I know how much you love a good PB&J. With a lot of peanut butter and jelly, will, so it I, doesn't squeeze out You might out eat more peanut butter than anybody else I know. I mean, you will put peanut yeah. butter on crackers, sandwiches. I think you would just, I don't even know. You put it on a lot of things. I had peanut butter on celery the other night, but it was almond butter because I'm trying to, you know, take care yeah, of this we know, the whole spelt body. That's, why, that's how you ended up with the Houston Roughnecks last week with some of your choices. Carmelo Anthony. Crunchy peanut butter and jelly. <laughs> we coming down a bunch of players specifically. All right, now I just have one more tidbit to add. Okay. So the Warriors, head of strength and conditioning, is, a, is an MD – and he banned sugar, no candy, no soda, and no peanut butter and jelly. So I feel like that's hard to do to somebody to ban sugar. I know you're professional athletes and everything, and you most likely have somebody cooking you everything. Yep. But I still feel like it's hard. Think about TB12 and what his diet is like. You don't think don't he's standing to. in the kitchen making avocado ice cream. Somebody's yeah, making gross. it for him. He's, he's <laughs> so Steph Curry steps in. Goes to ownership and says, we need our PB&J. <laughs> and it's back on the menu, the pregame menu. Oh so gosh. you think runners have all that pasta loading. And so the NBA, and I am I am blown away. So I said, this has got to be one of those, you know, spoof articles. So mm-hmm. I back myself out. It's on ESPN. And it's it's amazing. It's absolutely true that they they have to have their PB and J before a game. So we're trying to say we should just start eating peanut butter and jelly, and you and I both could be in the NBA. I think you have to get. They were in the NBA, and then they ate peanut butter and jelly. So you and I could say being on a. I podcast, think you're saying if we eat peanut butter and jelly, we're making it to the NBA. That's what I'm hearing. I think if we eat peanut butter, give and us jelly, three weeks, people. We can we will watch, beat the NBA. We can watch the NBA. Give us three weeks, and we will be probably the same weight watching peanut butter, eating peanut butter and jelly, watching basketball. I never in my wildest dreams would think that these famous NBA players are saying, hey, uh, to to a coach, hey, make me a peanut butter and strawberry jelly right away. Well, thank you, Kevin Garnett, for allowing that to be a, a, a dream that came true for everybody. <laughs> So, you know, these players are known for a lot of things, but I guess Kevin Garnett's going down in history as the great uh, requester of PB&J. Which is his, his Hall of Fame speech next year. i just like to say, you know, I had a great career. The thing I'm going to remember the most, those PB&Js. <laughs> Maybe he'll have that served at the dinner. Wouldn't that be something? <laughs> Each player picks a main dish. And our next course is peanut butter and jelly. Strawberries. So, so they're in bags and they're marked with the with the flavor jelly with the S for strawberry, R for raspberry, and G for grapes. I know I, I I'm going on and on and on, but I just it's blowing it's, me away. It is. It's pretty funny to think about. That's so, a good tidbit. So you mentioned the NBA All Star game. I did. What what do you think they're gonna do to save the NFL All Star game, the uh, Pro Bowl? I don't is know. it is it savable? I think I think we should put our minds together, come up with an idea or two. I actually think I have some for MLB. I have one for NFL, but it's more of a spoof. But it would be hilarious to watch. <laughs> what playing a go back to Hawaii and playing a uh, playing a lay in a skirt grass no, skirt? No, hey, that is that is something. That Gronk would do it. Consider that. I'm thinking 
Because, you know, you got to worry about player safety. We don't want them hitting each other hard and risking injury. But what if we had? What if we gave them cushioning to protect them? Oh my God, those inflatable things! Those I'm big balls, sumo suits, the inflatable ones, and then they can just bounce off each other. And it'll be interest, interesting to watch the quarterbacks try to throw passes, guys catch passes, and then just hit each other with sumo suits. I'm liking it. I'm liking it. Maybe they could. Down- they might be able to put Velcro on the ball and some Velcro around the suit and help them catch it. Get into the end zone. You have to bounce off of trampoline onto the wall and you stick. <laughs> that might be a little. That might be a little. Tough. Do extra points then. Eat the higher up you go is the more point you get. They're gonna need some big balls, inflatable, to carry <laughs> to get to fit those players into, right? I think so. Well, no, the sumo suits, they kind of fit around you, and then you just blow them up, I think. I forget yeah. how it works. Well, I, I'm thinking if you're 6'8", and you weigh 350 pounds... Yeah, custom-made suits. Probably, the NFL has enough yeah. money. Hey, why not? I think that's how we save the Pro Bowl. That's the only thing I can think of that will save that game. So, so learn a little bit from the NBA. They can, do, they can do some skills work, passing, running... Whatever that is, whatever they decide it is, do some charity donations, but culminate with shortened quarters, right? Maybe it's four or five minute quarters in the suits. I think they have to do true, like, I think instead of having even how they have it now, I think do flag football almost to an extent. So it's a little faster pace, but it's not as dangerous because you're just grabbing flags. You're not tackling each other even. But then I think also... Switch out, keep the quarterbacks the same, but have the defense guys play offense on a series and have offense guys play defense on a series. So you at least get them all kind of involved in every single way. And it makes it funnier to watch because you're like, there's no way this DB can catch. And then you're like, oh, hey, look at that. So when you think about how serious those players are during the year. Yes. You're going to have to sell them on exposing themselves to fun. So again, I say. You do have the games that follow up. Bob Gronkowski would be out there first one in the sumo suit he can laugh at himself and that's put some fun in it like you said and i think it's you got something there but the inflatable suits (laughs) i think that's the key yeah when and everybody heard it here first when they when they see (laughs) tv12 rolling down the field in a (laughs) in a clear ball they'll know it's you imagine oh that'd be great i'd actually have real ones for the mob though i think the mob actually could make these changes and be like the nba they can make charity involved if they want to. But instead of having one full nine-inning game, because now it doesn't mean anything, you're not playing for home field advantage, do two three-inning games. And to make it a little more interesting, there's no outs, but all you get is one turn through the lineup each inning. So you have all got nine guys bat, but then you have two different games. So you have the first round of All-Stars playing the first game, the second, the backups playing the second one. You're going to have enough pitchers. Or vice versa, so people will stay in the seats. Yeah. And you have, so you have, you have plenty of pitchers because you know you're guaranteed only facing 21 batters in the three innings for each. So that's 42 all overall. So that's done with. And then if there's a tie, say the two teams tie afterwards, you pick three guys from each team. Each of them has 10 swings, no matter what. Home run derby, total number of home runs by that. Each three, the three guys from each side combined wins. I like it. And and I think it would go quicker. I think it would be fun. You could have the guys calling the game. Just it, they'd be yucking it up. And, yeah. you know, it, I think that's they got to do something because it, it's something. meaningless. 
I like the NBA, MLB All-Star Game, how it is, because I just like baseball. But if you want to get more eyeballs on it, you want to get more people involved and see players having fun, it's a way to do it. Let them also show off their style, like have them let customize shoes, things like that, because yeah. that's all guys want to do. They just want, Who cares what cleats they have on? Exactly. Let them do their thing. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the league, those are the league does it. The league does it for different things throughout the year, and you know, let the players have a game. Exactly, but that, that's my ideas of how how to lighten up and make the MLB, but more so the NFL. You got to get the sumo suits, and that will make it watchable. I I think I think people would watch it. I think you would struggle getting these guys into the suits and and participating. <laughs> but I like how serious you're taking this. Thing. But if you pay them. <laughs> Money talks, right? It does. Money does talk. I don't know if you're getting someone making $30 million a year getting into a plastic suit. <laughs> but somebody that's a lineman first year, yeah, he might be getting in the suit. You might. I mean, it's a little that more fun than what you're doing. That would be classic. Never mind that. I think we got to just XFL my butt. Why don't we just start a new one? Sumo yeah. FL. <laughs> SFL? SFL. It's go. like SN. We actually get actual sumo people, and then others who are willing to go. They'll be the linemen. <laughs> Easy, that big fella. <laughs> okay. I like I like your idea. Thank you. I try. Well, I, I think that uh, Mr. MLB can get himself out of some trouble by trying to make that that All Star game a little bit more palatable and and exciting. I know they do their home run derbies and all that nonsense, but you got to get more eyes on the game and you got to make it more fun you gotta expose the younger star talent that you have because they just haven't done a good job at it if they can maybe, do that maybe they, they can each bring somebody up for from their from their uh, farm system and well they have the future game yeah. but that's always like on a friday night that nobody pays attention to they uh no that's your shark tank shark tank <laughs> exactly but yeah they need to do something they got a lot of young talent they need to let them express themselves a little bit better they can do that they got something until then rob manfred maybe just to stop taking taking swings because you're striking out a lot he yeah i'm not not, not the whole thing is a very sad situation but we got to get past it they they made their decisions but geez we got to just stop talking about it and play baseball yeah that won't happen though i know i know <laughs> there are people in other sports that are tipped completely over because yeah. okay you say that they didn't win because they cheated but i don't know yeah well i i, I smell an ass that's how it is. yeah uh, who knows there's not one next to the home run record which even though you still gotta be able to hit a baseball to hit that many home runs but they're still throwing the ball at you 100 yeah. miles an hour but it's a lot harder to hit a home run when you don't know what's coming at you compared to when you do yeah that's true but Paul, I know that. I know that personally. <laughs> you, do? that's good to know from the from your glory days. Yeah, from my glory days at the batting cages on Cape Cod. We didn't hit trash cans. I we believe those cans. balls were coming at me at least fifteen miles an hour. I was gonna say I had it on the outside of the cage. It was the softball, right? The tiny soft ones that if it hit you, it was okay. No, they were real baseballs, but I truly <laughs> believe they almost hit the ground before they got to me. <laughs> yeah, there are definitely some machines like that. <laughs> I think the sky is falling. I was going to say, the thudding, I believe, is my child slamming his feet down. I do believe he's celebrating. I think so. But, Paul, as always, thank you for joining me. Another good week. Appreciate the tidbits. I guess well, go roughnecks. 
Go rough. Hey, to, we're going all the way. 2-0. Okay. and We're 8-0. And all then right. we're going right to the finals where I think we play a half a game each. I don't know even how it works. but <laughs> we'll, get, we'll get live react. Not live reaction. We'll get delayed reaction next week when we update Paul and his XFL team and get a lot more tidbits, I'm sure. Might even talk a little bit of spring training. Excellent. All spring right. training is just like it's 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 the season, right? Yeah. Everybody we're sick it's of winter. Spring training's coming. Yeah. That'd be a great vacation. Go watch a it few is. spring training games. Let's set it up. All right. All right. See you next week. Be there or be square. Paul's pylon. Great time with Paul as always. And don't forget, before I get on to my next subject, to go check out Zingo TV, where we have 12-ounce sports on Zingo TV. Use promo code 12-ounce, that's 1-2-O-Z. When you sign up, it's free to sign up, free to use. Check out our shows. You can check out all the great action we have going on at 12-ounce sports at Zingo TV. That's Z-I-N-G-O TV. Promo code 12-ounce. All right, so NBA. We're going to touch on it really quickly. It just came back. You know, all-star break. Good all-star break. Dunk contest controversy. You already know about it by now. Heading into this final third-ish of the season, I'm going to look for the intensity to pick up. You're going to see the Lakers and Clippers, I think, take it up to another level. Nuggets, I'm sorry. I just don't have faith in you. Nothing, Nothing against you. But you're the Nuggets. It's Lakers-Clippers. That's what everybody's going to be watching. Houston, who knows how they do with the small ball. We'll see how that goes. And then on the East, it's Bucks or bust. Yeah, you could say the Celtics, Sixers, and the Heat could all make some sort of run. And they could. They could very well shock everybody and take down Milwaukee like the Raptors did last year when the Bucks kind of seemed unstoppable. But Giannis has taken it to another level this year. And... It, that's a scary thought after you just won the MVP. So I'm going with the Bucks in the East, but I expect to maybe, who knows? It could get interesting. Both sides are going to be fun to watch, but just pick back up. Not much to report yet. So we're going to talk about one last thing, and that is the huge heavyweight title matchup this weekend where we have Deontay Wilder versus Tyson Fury. These heavyweights have never lost in their careers. And they both have one tiny blemish on their record. And that was against each other, their first matchup, where they had a draw against one another. And of course, both guys think they deserve to win. Tyson Fury thought he outmatched Wilder the whole entire boxing match, while Wilder said, I knocked Tyson down twice. How did I not win that? So both guys had their reasonings why they thought they should win. They meet 14 months later to have that rematch depending on how it goes you could bet there's probably likely a third matchup right you just got to assume it's a huge it's a huge thing for the boxing world heavyweight fights aren't haven't been what they used to be these two guys are both electric they had their face off where they pushed and shoved and gave a good show you have the good old boy from alabama and wilder versus the man across the pond and fury who has one of the best personalities just in general. The guy's just electric. He seems like he's fun to be around. Overall, I think it's going to be a good fight, hard fight. I'm hoping it goes the distance, or if not, I hope it gets close. 
I will say, Tyson Fury caught a second round knockout. Does it mean for him? Or could he be predicting the future for against himself and Wilder taking him down? Who knows? These guys are both hard hitting. Anything could happen. It just takes one punch. We all know that. We've seen UFC. We've seen boxing matches where literally 20 seconds, donezo. Less than that sometimes. Hopefully that's not the case in this situation. I'm hoping. Other boxing fans are hoping. ESPN is praying that that's not the case. I mean, either way, they make their money, but they want a good show. They want a good show. We all want a good show. These guys both want a good fight. It's going to be fun to watch. Like, I don't think people have been this excited for a boxing match, honestly, since McGregor versus Mayweather. And part of that was for the whole trash talking. Part of it was the whole, can UFC even compete in the boxing realm? So, this is a fun matchup. I mean, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be brutal on these two guys and their bodies. But hey, the rest of us are going to enjoy it. So, sit back, relax, watch the fight. I mean, what else is there to say? Saturday night, 9 p.m. When the fights start, you obviously have the buildup to the actual big fight. But overall, it should be good. I mean, seriously, think about it this way. Wilder is 42-0-1, and Fury is 29-0-1. Wilder's had, out of his 42 wins, 41 knockouts. Tyson's had 20 knockouts. So Wilder is the hard hitter. People were shocked when Fury got up the last time they fought after he went down. Shocked. So it's going to be fun. Hopefully, hopefully we get some good memories out of this boxing match. Hopefully it reinvigorates the boxing world to an extent. Boxing's kind of had a rough go over the past few years. You know, these two guys both, I mean, towards the end of their careers, for heavyweights at least. But if they can get people's interest peaked, maybe some other up-and-coming names can keep the momentum going. Who knows? You need a, your next round of like Mayweather and Oscar De La Hoya's and Wilder's and Mike Tyson's and all these type of guys that were big that no longer are around except of like Fury and Wilder and Mayweather apparently might come back. Who knows? That guy, did, if he needs money, he comes back for an easy fight to make 100 mil. But that's it for this week. That's all I got. Hopefully you enjoyed the show. Hopefully you enjoyed Paul's pylon. It's always a great time with him. Make sure you have a good weekend. Enjoy yourselves. Be safe in whatever you do. Hopefully you're watching some sports. Hopefully you're taking some NBA. Maybe taking the fight. No matter what it is, though, have a good time. Thanks for tuning in. My name is Greg. This has been my stance on sports. Have a good one. The Sports Stance.